Hello, everybody, and welcome. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO, 1690 AM in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominic Demeester. Thank you for tuning in to the show this week, folks, uh, on this beautiful, as we record, it's Tuesday. As you hear our voices, it is Thursday. Dom, before we get into a little bit of breaking news coming out of the Big Apple, I want to know how you're doing and how your vacation has been. I don't even know if you're on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> well, my vacation has been ongoing. Let's just put it that way. The entire nice. summer has been pretty nice to me. Good, and, good. Uh, all in all, I'm doing great. How about that signing right off the bat? Saquon Barkley for $11 million. Saquon Barkley, one year, $11 million. Uh, breaking news just as we were about to record the show. This is like... Well, I don't think I've heard as much talk as of a running back market ever since watching football. And a lot of players have shown their displeasure and a lot of non-running backs have shown their displeasure too to the uh, the market value for running backs. Des Bryant has pitched in uh, and, and a few other guys as well. And a few running backs talking about other running backs not getting paid enough. But yes, Tom, we got Saquon Barkley, one year, $11 million contract. So I guess I'll open things up. Um, for me... Uh, he's definitely worth more than $11 million. Uh, Saquon Barkley is the best player on this football team, and he is one of the more electric running backs in the NFL. For me, what's a little bit more quote-unquote worrisome, I'd say, is the one-year deal. When you have a guy like Saquon on your team, you want to ensure that he's going to be on your franchise for a very long time. And look, the, the, at this point, they're just happy to get a deal done. It's one year, $11 million. They weren't even sure if he was going to be in a Giants uniform come this season. So I think all in all, you got to consider it a win for New York that they get to keep Saquon Barkley because his status with the Giants was up in the air. But a one-year deal with your best player, um, a guy that's, uh, I mean, I maybe once in a generational talent is, is exaggerating a little bit, but this guy is great. You know, he's been the heart and soul of this team and literally put the team on his back last season. It was so good to see him come back from injury. Um, and, you know, he's shown his displeasure. Uh, he's definitely worth more, more than $11 million. But for me, Dom, I'd say the problem starts with only a one-year deal. The one-year deal is showing hesitation between both sides. It's showing, you know, we're going to keep you for a year. Let's see what happens. Let's see if you can replicate what you did last year. But we already know this guy's good, right? We already know he's a baller. We already know he can put the team on his back. So for me, it's a little bit disappointing to see a one-year deal. Look, I'm happy he's with the Giants. I think he fits his Giants squad very well. Um, and I hope that he ends up retiring in a Giants uniform. Obviously, his career is long from done. I question now for this one-year deal that he's going to stay a Giant forever. I think, you know, that it's good for this upcoming season. But I think the one-year deal, to me, is kind of strikes my a few red flags. And I don't know if he's going to be there long-term with the Giants. I would have liked to see more than a one-year deal done. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, it doesn't get done. What are your thoughts on that, Dom, on the years, on the amount of money, and on the fact that he, he will be returning to the New York Giants at least for this upcoming season? It's very bizarre. I, I personally think the running back position is a, a really important position in football. And if we look at the average salaries currently on the table, Miles Sanders, 6.25, David Montgomery, 6, Jamal Williams, 4. I think there's a lack of big signings other than maybe Derrick Henry's that uh, it's it's basically saying to all running backs, you know, you want to play football, maybe you should think about playing another position because it's just not as valuable as other positions in the NFL. And the running back position just seems to me a position that if, if the team wants, they could hand the ball 30 times to a running back in a game and have a very good chance on winning it if they have a good defense. So I, I guess the, the NFL is thinking that maybe, you know, the quarterback position now is going to be, the prevalent position, which has always been the case. But now the fact that they're running a lot more, I guess we're just going to have to see how it's going to trickle down. And the more people start complaining about it, maybe something could be done with regards to the NFLPA. But like I said, it's very bizarre. I don't understand it. I guess there's just not enough talent right now to warrant the contracts and teams mm -hmm. are not running old eye formations to really do North-South football. We used to see that in the 90s, in the 2000s. Yeah. But uh, as we've progressed here, we're seeing a lot more shotgun, you know, spread formations, very college football-like. We're seeing it also translate in coaching and things like that. So maybe it's a changing of the guard. Maybe it's temporary. I'd like to think it's temporary because football has been around for such a long time. I doubt this is a trend that's going to last. But unfortunately, it's the current trend that is going on. Hence the market. Hence the complaints. Shaquan Barkley, probably top five running back in the NFL, will only get $11 million a season. Yeah, th that's weird. I mean, 
like the the years are weird the the amount of money he's getting per year is weird um now to play devil's devil's advocate and i'm gonna i'm gonna jump back to more um of the backing up on the running backs here if you look at the last few super bowl winners dom let you know let's go through them we have Starting from that famous New England Patriots comeback, you got New England, right? That one that was in 2017. Then you got Philadelphia that won against New England. Then you got New England that won against the Rams. You got Kansas City, Tampa Bay, the Rams, and Kansas City again. Historically speaking, when you look at teams that have won the Super Bowl in the past few years, these have been guys that haven't really paid running backs, right? And I know running backs have been undervalued, and I'm not saying that. And right here, like I said, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. I think you're more of the old school guy, run and, and pound the football um, and, you know, trust your defense and make plays. For me, I was more, uh, you know, kind of gunsling it. And you just, you look at teams that have won the Super Bowl in the past few years. And unfortunately for running backs, stats show that a lot of these Super Bowl winners haven't paid their running backs. So if you look at Kansas City, right? A rookie running back, Pacheco, don't get me wrong, Pacheco had a heck of a Super Bowl run, but he wasn't getting paid much. And if you look, if you think of Kansas City, are the running backs all that important in Kansas City? They are, but it's there are other positions on the team that are a lot more valuable. Look at the Patriots during their dynasty. They never really had that great running back. The, the Rams, too, when they won the Super Bowl, it was a lot of Cooper Cup, uh, OBJ, and Matthew Stafford. So what do you say to that, right? Because I do agree that the running back market has been undervalued. And it may be contrary to what I said about teams winning the Super Bowl that don't pay running backs. I still think it's very important to have a good running back. When quarterbacks get injured, we've seen this happen a lot. You have to rely on the running game. And oftentimes that, you know, pulls you out of a hole and is able to, to win you a few games. But it, it is true, Dominic. Unfortunately, it's a sad reality that a lot of these teams um, that have won the Super Bowl recently have been past first teams and very much past first team, you know, past heavy. Kansas City has always been like that, right? Or since our dynasty started. What do you say to that? Is that potentially where these teams are going and not, quote unquote, valuing their running backs? Do you think they want a, a more of a spread offense? Like you said, less of an eye formation. Uh, do you think that is potentially playing into the fact that, you know, teams want to have running backs, but they don't want to overpay. They don't want to commit. And for them, the most important is having a good QB, a good O-line, great receivers and a good tight end uh, and a solid defense. How much of a factor do you think that that plays into the unfortunate situation we've seen with running backs now in this offseason? I don't think you could look at the Super Bowl as being the uh, the only game that will decide whether or not the running backs are like valuable to win the Super Bowl. It's just one game, as we all know. It takes an mm -hmm. entire season. You got yeah. the playoffs and all that. I think everybody plays the role. People have to kind of like come up with different types of offense. And I think a lot of old school coaches that did run the ball a lot a lot of them got replaced by college football coaches and college football coaches, you know, they know how to play spread offense and they, they try to, you know, get as many points on the board. Sean McVay won the Super Bowl with Los Angeles. That didn't help because now everybody wants to do what Sean McVay did. So right. all that being said, it's that there's a lot of factors, but I really think that we're just in a lull in the past decade other than Tom Brady as as great quarterbacks that have come up uh, from college and we just we, we haven't seen any great QBs that's what I'm going to put it down to and as a result why does the running back position get kind of you know devalued is that maybe teams are just stacking the box a lot of them maybe not making uh, some running backs look good because when the QB is terrible, then you could afford to put a lot more pressure on that running position. And therefore they just, you know, they get constantly, you know, low production. And then after that, you have this new motto of let's have two running backs because obviously it's a violent sport and you want to have depth. And if you don't have depth in the NFL, typically you're kind of like not going anywhere. So the running back position, you know, if it's that violent and guys are getting hurt, you want to get multiple guys in, but then now everybody wants to play the running back position, whether it be the running back squad, whether it be the QB. So all that being said, there's a lot of problems here, but it comes down to a lack of talent. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think the running back position is taking the brunt of all these problems. And the NFL needs to figure out what to do to open up maybe the game more for the running back or something, maybe add a rule. I don't know here, William. The mm -hmm. NFL will need to be creative to, to solve this issue because it is an issue and it's not going anywhere. Yeah, it, no, it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. If anything, it seems to be getting worse. And 
you kind of break down football and it's like you compare it to the CFL where you talk about running backs um, being undervalued. It's running back. CFL is three downs, right? So it's like you, basically you're going to have two downs to get the first. If not, you're punting. So it's very rare you run the football, right? And like football, you would think that, yeah, you know, if you, if you boil it down, you have three chances to get 10 yards, obviously four if you want to go for it. You just get four or five yards of play. You're able to muster and make that work. And, you know, running backs tend to at least get that. And I don't know, it just seems like the big and the explosive play um, is what's been taking over football over the last few years. And it's like it's it's I, like I'm kind of stuck on because I, I do completely get it. And, uh, you know, I've never been uh, a guy that's, you know, agreed with the you know running backs uh, aren't an important position and don't take a running back in the first round. I've, I've, I've always disagreed with that mindset. I think if you have a running back and you want to take him early, you take him early, he fits your system. Um, and, you know, it's it's a huge, huge part. But I do think you bring up a good point with, you know, quarterbacks. And I think that we have a lot of top-heavy QBs in the NFL right now. You know, you think of the top five guys. You know, there's no, no doubt these guys, um, the majority of them will be Hall of Famers. But you're right, if you look at, like, that 10 – to 17, 18, you know, ranked QBs in the NFL. They're not all that great. And it's surprising because I've spoken to friends and they say, wow, that quarterback, you know, classes right now in the NFL are, they're great. And they are, but they're very top heavy, Dom. So I think that, you know, what you said, um, you know, is, is, is a very valid point because there's a lot of these QBs that you're looking like, not only how does this guy have a job, but how does this guy have a starting job, right? If you just look at like, you know, from top to bottom, all 32 teams, I think that's a good point, Dom. There's a lot of these quarterbacks now that you're kind of scratching your head as to why they have a starting job yeah and they have a starting job because the nfl is focusing on player safety which is predominant don't get me wrong you know you want to protect the quarterback he's basically the franchise and as a result now i think maybe quarterbacks are just getting more overzealous by like saying hey i can run with the football and the guy that i really want to point out here is josh allen i don't i know i watched josh allen's college tape and he was running a lot but I think he really uh, set the tone that like, hey, man, even I can run the football. Yeah. And then when I saw Daniel Jones last year do it, that's when I knew there was a huge problem. That guy does not look like a scrambling quarterback because Brian Dibble's playing the NFL offensive scheme like a genius. He went into Buffalo, made Josh Allen a star. He's making Daniel Jones a star, a quarterback that is, in my opinion, should have been almost like gone to the CFL. Don't get me wrong. I'm coming from a you know an old school mindset where I'm yeah. used to seeing quarterbacks in the past really taking a hit, and that's just part of the game. But it seems like now the NFL has put too much emphasis on that quarterback play, and I think we're seeing the quarterbacks and the offensive corners and coaching staff taking advantage of the rules, and it's just trickling as to what we see on the field. And the ones that are really paying the brunt of this is the running backs, because what about you, William? How many carries? Would you give your star running back per game? What is your average amount of carries if you were a coach? That's a great question. I, first numbers that come off to mind, I would say 18 to 19 carries a game. Okay, yeah, exactly. I'm I'm in like more like 20 to 22, but yeah, yeah. We're almost we're almost in the same around the same numbers. What I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And that being said, I'm kind of like, okay, why do we have running backs by committee? Like, why are mm -hmm. NFL teams so obsessed? for having every single running back option available. I mean, that's why you draft an all-around good running back. You know what I mean? You want to have a guy that yeah. can catch the ball. You want to have a guy that's obviously big enough, like around six foot, to get the ball on the goal line. And maybe they're not coming like a dime a dozen out of college football because they're so obsessed with the passing game themselves. So you see how what I'm trying to say here? To me, a running back should have at least 20 carries minimum and it should be him the focal not him the focal point of the offense but at his position he doesn't need a, a an extra running back to help him out he should be the guy almost the entire game and one guy comes in to replace him for about maybe three plays a game four plays to give him some rest if he had like a, a 50 yard run or something right what i see right now is a bunch of running back by committee now you're getting three running backs what's next four five running backs on a football team it's just too much it's devaluing the position and personally i'm not a fan of it whatsoever yeah, I get where you're coming from. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I get both sides here. The good thing is for now, uh, that Saquon Barkley will remain with the New York Giants. He said one year, $11 million contract. So we'll at least see him for another season with New York. All right. That's it for our, the, uh, New York Giants talk for now. So, Don, we talked a little bit off air about the signings, a few that may have, uh, kind of, uh, flown under the radar. But one that you like, Marcus Peters, the Las Vegas Raiders, Dom. Uh, I think it's a good fit. Uh, for for Marcus Peters and for the Raiders, but I want to get to your initial thoughts on it first before I kind of dive into it. 
Wow. Talk about a signing. This reminds me of Stephon Gilmore signing with Dallas. I'm a huge fan of DBs that play with an attitude. And Marcus Peters does have an attitude and can shut down a lot of great wide receivers. I mean, Vegas hit a home run here, folks. This basically gives me a little hope for them. This defense is going to have to lead the way. I don't think it's obviously going to be uh, the offense gonna, that's going to lead the way unless Jimmy Garoppolo drinks a magic potion and becomes the next Joe Montana. But uh, that's not happening. And they're going to need to bring Josh Jacobs in as soon as possible. Speaking of the running back position, you know, he's not coming in right now in training camp because he's holding out. He's not happy. Obviously, he's going to see $11 million on the table that uh, Saquon has. So that's the number he's going to have to gauge whether or not he shows up or not. But regardless, they, they have Zamir White that they drafted last year. They're going to have to lean on the running back position heavily, but adding a, a guy like Marcus Peters enables them to do so because that defense just gets that much stronger. It's going to enable that pass rush to be even that much more deadlier. Great signing by the Raiders. This just saved their season, in my opinion. I have a lot more faith, and let's just see how it pans out. But if I'm a Raiders fan this morning, I'm extremely happy. I think that something you said was good. He's got attitude, and I think it kind of fits this Raiders team. You look at kind of the Raiders. They're that squad, and, you know, they not they may not be able to necessarily win off of talent this year, uh, but, you know, having that that mindset and kind of that, uh, that you know, putting the fear of God in other players and not wanting to play them could be something that, that you know, makes them over the uh, – jumps them over the hump. We talk about this team, and, you know, they don't lack talent. You know, I don't don't get me wrong with what I'm saying. I still got Josh Jacobs. You know, you have Devontae Adams. Uh, losing Darren Waller, I think, is a, is a bit of a, of a big piece. I'm not sure why they let him go. Um, but, yeah, you know, this team, and look, Jimmy G, you, you know, what are the expectations for Jimmy G this year? I think right now the, the good thing for the Raiders is I, their expectations are low. And I think that when you have low expectations for a team heading into the season, especially with the division this good, you know, I don't think there's too, too much pressure on this team. There may be pressure on Jimmy G himself. That's what I would say. I don't think there's pressure on the team as a whole, but I think Jimmy G has to prove, you know, that he is one of those guys Um that deserves to be, uh, you know, mentioned as potentially one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And I know that he may not throw the prettiest ball and he may dink and dunk, but he's proven to be a winner. Um, so what would you, what would you think that, um, would, you, would you agree with my assessment there that Jimmy G is kind of right now, he's in a new place uh, and he may not have the exact weapons, as good weapons he did in San Francisco, but he's still got one of the best, if not the best receiver in the wide receiver in Adams, a great running back in Josh Jacobs that we hope will finally, uh, you know, decide to uh, to to reach an agreement there with the Raiders and uh, and they'll get something done there. Do, would you agree with me that there's a pressure on Jimmy G, but not necessarily the team uh, as a whole? Yeah, there's the the team in itself. Devontae Adams is the team. Then you got Jacobs, and they need somebody else to step up. So. Yeah, Jimmy doesn't have that much pressure. It really comes down to Josh McDaniels. He's the one that, you know, he was terrible in Denver. Now he's going to, he's starting anyways to be terrible as a, the Raiders head coach. So they need a miracle. Maybe they drafted, you know, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. I know you loved yeah. him. And yeah. maybe this guy replaces, you know, Darren Waller like a, a glove. And he just fits in in this offense and takes pressure off Devontae Adams. There's not enough talent on the offense at the wide receiver position, in my opinion. I'm not a fan of Hunter Renfrew. I think he's too small and frail. Jacoby Myers, if he was going to be that great, he would have been a star in New England. Uh, Keelan Cole, uh, that's a wash. Same thing with Dorsett. So to me, they're one or two injury away to putting triple coverage on Devontae Adams every single game. So a guy like Michael Myers has to come through. The offensive line has to be you know, the best offensive line in the NFL, which they won't. So Jimmy Garoppolo is going to take a few lickings this year. And I don't know if he if he does and he goes down. I don't know if Brian Hoyer is going to be able to, to carry the torch. So this team's in trouble. But again, a great defense. If this defense somehow holds Kansas City to under 20 points a game, which is a big ask. Same thing against the Chargers. I think the Raiders and the Broncos could, you know, maybe split the series. But they're going to have to have the best Raiders defense possible to play against the Chargers and KC to try to win the division first because that's going to be probably the only way that they make the playoffs. A wild card, yeah, I guess you never know, but there's so much competition in the, in the AFC. I doubt that it would happen. They would need to win the division. And what, William, are you going to tell me today that the Las Vegas Raiders are going to win the division? Nope. 
nope, no, I'm not <laughs> thinking that as well. So we'll see what happens. Good luck, Michael Mayer. Hopefully you become a star. If anybody's listening with regards to fantasy football, take Michael Mayer as a kind of like last pick in your in your pool. I mm-hmm. think he could pay dividend big time because they're going to lead him. I think he really he he suits the kind of the play style too of Darren Waller. They're a big guy uh, that can catch you know uh, footballs over the middle, uh, big catch radius, and uh, you know guy that you know once he gets his mitts on the ball, uh, that ball ain't popping out. Um, so yeah, I think it was a good assessment there of the Raiders, and I, you know I think that it'd be tough for this team to potentially make the playoffs. But I think there's sign in the right direction, Marcus Peters, um, and I do think that he ultimately will fit to that team pretty well. We got talking about the running backs, Melvin Gordon signing uh, a, a deal with the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens with these running backs, man, they just had these plethora of running backs that have come in, come out, not really had that star running back uh, that stayed there for a long time. J.K. Dobbins should be that guy for Baltimore uh, coming off an injury now. So I'm really hoping he's going to bounce back because, um, man, was he dangerous in this offense with him and Lamar and that, uh, you know, that RPO, that read option stuff. But yeah, Melvin Gordon going to the Ravens. Look, it's, a, it's kind of a low-risk, high-reward type of signing here. Melvin Gordon has bounced around. I still think he has a little bit of juice left uh, in the tank. It's not uh, not a huge deal down here. But I think like with the amount of times um, that this football team runs the ball during the game, uh, injuries are bound to happen. And I think that you know the more running backs, the merrier when it comes to Baltimore. And I know the splitting the carry situation is not great. I know we alluded that to that before. But I think it's a little bit different with this Baltimore Ravens team because you know they run the ball so much that you want to have fresh running backs. and You want to have guys and guys that out. And I think it's unfortunately with the 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 way that Baltimore runs their offense, it's only a matter of time before one of their running backs gets injured for at least a few weeks. So I think this Melvin Gordon signing is good uh, for Baltimore. And uh, yeah, now he'll be uh, playing on another team. Yeah, this is a brilliant signing. I think that if J.K. Dobbins is that hurt, clearly he has to be that hurt. And that knee injury, you know, we never know the, you know, what level of knee injury does a running back have? You could be, you know, MCL sprain one, two, or three. And we just, sometimes it's kind of like a gray area. We never know exactly which one it is. It seems like JK definitely got one of the most severe types of uh, MCL sprains. And we're just going to have to see whether or not he can even bounce back this year because signing Melvin Gordon, this guy, this guy's a, I'm a do it all running back. He can catch, he's six foot, he can play the goal line, you know, he could block. I like Melvin Gordon. He's going to fit very well in this offense the only thing i'm kind of confused about with baltimore is what's the story on todd munkin i thought that todd munkin was going to be coming in and changing this offense it was going to be more of a passing offense when you see a guy like melvin gordon coming in you know it's it's a big i think highlight to this offense to signal that they're going to be running down their opponent's throats they have already two young rookie running backs on this roster in Keaton Mitchell and Owen Wright. Now they're bringing in another running back and a veteran. Yeah, so much for throwing the football. I'll believe it when I see it. This team will be running all day, every day against their opponents, especially in the AFC North. Yeah, this is this is a run first football team, right? It's a team that we're not, uh, you know, used to seeing in today's NFL that we talked about. Seems to be the uh, kind of the theme of the show. Now, yeah, they're going to run the football, and like you know, you get thrown a play action here, a play action there, but I think that's the identity of this Ravens team. Uh, no matter who's calling plays, no matter who's OCN, who's the head coach there. So I think that yeah, Melvin Gordon, it's to me, it just makes sense, and I like that. Uh, I like that they they got a deal done there, and I think that like I said, he still has uh, juice left in the tank, and I'm glad that somebody took a chance on him. Uh, unfortunate running back news, Naheem Hines, uh, he suffered a knee injury, and it looks like he'll be missing the entire season. Oh, man, there's there's never a good time to get injured and miss the season, but when it's happening, you know, even before preseason starts, and uh, this stuff it really, really is always, always kills me and is really sad. So, yeah, unfortunately, Hines, uh, you know, a guy that, you know, was great for for the Colts, and, uh, you know, he was, uh, his name popped up a few times last season and seasons before, and, you know, I thought he was going to be a, a solid fit for the for the Buffalo Bills. Unfortunately, he's going to be done for the year, Dom, and an injury that happened even before preseason. Like I said, you never uh, you never expect an injury. You never want an injury. But for it to happen even before the season is always is always really sad. There's so, uh, yeah, really feeling for, for Naheem Hines now. Yeah, this was going to be kind of like a little gadget player, special player that you can throw in. A couple passes here, a couple runs there. This is going to be a big, pretty big blow for the Bills. I'm going to say that because... You know, Latavius Murray, they brought him in as a, as a free agent. I don't know between him and, and, and Naheem Hines if there's a similarity there. There clearly isn't, in my opinion. So 
Who's going to replace those special down plays? Could it be James Cook? You know, James Cook had an opportunity last year, didn't really do anything with it. I think Damian Harris and Latavius Murray are going to be running north-south football. So losing Naheem Hines takes away a bit of the kind of like mystique of this offense that I was going to be expecting. Because if it's going to be more of a traditional running game in Buffalo this year, which is what I'm anticipating, without Naheem Hines, it takes away that those gadget plays that kind of pretty much opens up the offense. So let's see what's going to happen. I think the the end result is if they don't sign another running back quick, then maybe Josh Allen's going to have to start running the football again, yeah. which is not necessarily a bad thing for those Bills fans who like to see Josh Allen run the ball. Uh, keep an eye on maybe Ezekiel Elliott signing in Buffalo. That'd be a, a big take right there. They don't have the cap money right now, but uh, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if another veteran maybe not as good as Ezekiel Elliott, signs in Buffalo to replace uh, Hines' ability to, to just be a special player, you know, especially on third downs when uh, a QB's really uh, down on his luck and he's looking for an outlet. Naheem Hines, for whatever reason, has always positioned himself to help out his QB. I don't see that guy on this roster right now for the Buffalo Bills. No, yeah, I I, uh, I think there, you know, Naheem Hines is a bit more uh, of like, uh, he's a guy that's going to catch the ball out of the backfield, make the plays. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, of more from the those Arizona Cardinals. But yeah, I think that, you know, when it comes to, to Buffalo, it's they're not going to run the ball all that much, no, no matter who's uh, there for them. But I think that he kind of added a little bit of spark uh, to this offense there. And you talked about Zeke. It's crazy to think that we haven't heard Zeke name mentioned in forever. Never thought uh, that, you know, this... Uh, at this point in his career that he's all, I don't want to say forgotten there, but it's like you mentioned Zeke and it's like, oh yeah, true. He's a free agent. Like I almost forgot about Zeke. And it's, it's pretty crazy to think about that uh, with the, the amount of, uh, you know, moxie he had with those Dallas Cowboys and how he was uh, really that offense for so long. Uh, I'm worried. I'm worried about Zeke there and I'm uh, hope he gets signed soon because uh, I, I would still like to see him uh, in the NFL. And, and I still think he has a, a lot left um, to give to a team. Uh, Jimmy Graham, Dominic, Great. Yes, Jimmy Graham is returning back to New Orleans Saints, uh, signing a one-year deal. Uh, this was a fun signing. I kind of like it here. I'm glad Jimmy G, uh, or Jimmy G, I guess, but not Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Graham now uh, is back with his former team, and you know that uh, team he really made uh, a name for himself. Now, but yeah, he's going back to those New Orleans Saints, um, and you know the Saints are a team that we've talked about on the show a little bit uh, here with a uh, Michael Thomas, and I remember speaking to one of my buddies, uh, Terry, who follows the NFL, and he's like, he just doesn't expect Michael Thomas to be nearly. Now, the type of wide receiver that, uh, you know, that he used to be before his injuries and everything that played him. So hopefully that won't be the case. But yeah, Jimmy uh, Graham now signing a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints and returning to uh, to where he uh, made, a, made a name for himself. Yeah, I guess this is a kind of a funny uh, signing. And maybe it's more for the fans than anything else. I don't think uh, Jimmy Graham is going to be a factor at all this year. As a matter of fact, he, if, if he's even on this team, because he's got to make the team at the end of the day, he's got to go through training camp and, and be there. I'm not impressed. The name's big, but I'm not impressed. I think that uh, his career is pretty much done. If he does have something in the tank, it'll be something in the red zone. But I'm not anticipating many big things out of Jimmy Graham whatsoever. Quick question for you, Dom. Who I uh, talked about New Orleans today. We talked about the Raiders. I'll, I'll throw a kind of a, a pop-up question there. Who do you expect to have the better season? Do you think it's going to be the Saints or the Raiders? And yes, obviously we know the Saints are right now in the easier division. Um, but uh, do you think that you know there's no question that the Saints are going to have that better season because of all the question marks uh, in happening in Las Vegas? Or do you think there's a chance that uh, that with Jimmy G there in uh, in Las Vegas they're able to muster up a few more wins than the Saints? That's a very good question, and I'm sure a lot of Vegas fans would like to hear that their team would be selected, considering they just let go Carr, and Carr now is in New Orleans. So I'm going to go with New Orleans by a smidge, Mm -hmm. only because New Orleans has, and so does the Raiders have, but they're just not in Oakland anymore. It's just like there was a mystique about playing in the black hole when you you know, you went to Oakland or, or Los Angeles when they used to be there. I don't think there's a mystique in Las Vegas over there like they used to have in the past however when you go to new orleans whoo you try to win in that dome that is a hard place to play football and as a result that's why they could even win the division so i'm gonna go with the saints here by a smidge both teams probably will not make the playoffs but the saints do have a, a bigger shot in my opinion yeah I, I think they do too uh, i think that you know you talk about these two quarterbacks and you look at 
a lot of them, you can say that uh, they're very similar. And was Jimmy G even all that much of an upgrade to Derek Carr? I think so. I think if I had to choose one of them, I would choose Jimmy G. I'm not sure I believe really in uh, in either of them, uh, to uh, to tell you the truth. So, yeah, we'll have to, uh, you know, uh, only time will tell, right? Only time will tell. And the training camp is going to be huge. Preseason is going to be big as well. Very curious to see how these uh, two quarterbacks uh, mesh with their, with their, uh, their current teams. Uh, sticking in uh, that division now with the, with the Raiders, we've got Kadarius Tony. Status uh, for week one is actually in doubt for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he just uh, went through surgery, and yeah, status for week one uh, is in doubt uh, going with the, with knee surgery because uh, he was you know plagued by. Um, by injuries at times last season. I don't really think it matters, you know, to this team. Not No, no shot at Kadarius Tony. I think this Kansas City Chiefs team could win with really anybody playing wide receiver and, uh, you know, no matter no matter how long. But, yeah, his uh, status is in doubt um, for, for week one, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, that's a pretty big injury. I really think that Kadarius Tony is going to be the guy lifting the torch for Juju being gone. Someone's going to have to step up at the wide receiver position. So, it's going to start maybe slow in Kansas City again this year. They're going to lean heavily on Andy Reid's very creative play calling. And he's able to get wide receivers open just by the play designs that he draws. So let's see what happens. We're not going to you know, jump off the Kansas City ship whatsoever. When you have Pat Mahomes and, and uh, Travis Kelsey, you have yourself a phenomenal duo. And I think that's all you need in Kansas City right now. But you do need wide receivers that are able to kind of like mix things up and make people very confused out there. Cause that's what Andy Reid does best. He gets the defense extremely confused and he does for whatever reason, all these plays that are extremely successful. I think that comes with experience. He built it with Philadelphia specifically. He even built it in green Bay when he was uh, up there. So great coach, great team. I don't think the Kadarius Tony injury is going to be that much of a factor, but in the beginning, it probably will be because everybody's kind of like getting their feet wet. So maybe Kansas City might even lose their first two weeks, dare I say. Yeah, it's you know it's just crazy that even if they were lose their first two weeks, I don't still think they'd be you know heavy favorites to win that division. Obviously, you know you got you got the Chargers there, and you know I'm gonna uh, I'll kind of believe it when I see it. They're they're making a, a run uh, at uh, at the division now, especially with uh, you know Kansas City being as strong as they are. Um, it's cool. I was reading an article the other day talking about the each team's uh, biggest uh, challenge heading into the season, and you know something that that struck me right away, Dom, was the 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 Cleveland Browns, um, and the biggest challenge was unlocking Deshaun's, uh, Deshaun Watson's full talent. And uh, you know, it's crazy to to think that you know one of the the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And you're talking about unlocking his talent. But, you know, you talk about QBs that, that are under pressure uh, that coming into the season. We talked about a few of them there. Obviously, there's Deshaun Watson. There's Russell Wilson as well. Um, what are you expecting this season from the Cleveland Browns, number one? And do you think that they need to have a great season? Or do you think that after last season, they're kind of able to cruise? And, you know, the, the number one goal for them should be getting Deshaun Watson back in his right mind and then potentially being competitive for the division in a season or two. Or do you think that they need this season right now with Kevin Stefanski to not only you know figure things out with Deshaun Watson but also you know potentially making a run at winning that division because uh you know there was obviously a time when Cleveland Browns were you know they were the bottom of the division they were laughed at they were snake bitten and then you know they got Baker Mayfield on this team was surrounded with a lot of hype but I feel like Cleveland kind of lost that um I know obviously not a lot of people agree with Deshaun Watson being back in the NFL and everything that went on in his allegations so I think you know Cleveland Browns are kind of a team that people haven't talked about and if they have it's for all the wrong reasons so uh you look at cleveland now and i'd say this is a team that's to i guess for lack of a better term flying under the radar because i don't think people expect much out of them um how important do you think it is for this team to be competitive this year dom or do you think it's really let's get Deshaun watson mine right let's get him on the same page as our receivers let's start putting up points trust our running backs and our defense and let's get this cleveland team to to where we know they could be uh, a team that you know beat the the pittsburgh steelers in the playoffs just a few seasons ago it's going to be this simple. I really think that if they don't make the playoffs, a lot of people are going to get fired. It's that simple. Cleveland has to produce. They got to make the playoffs. And if they don't, Kevin Stefanski will not be the head coach. Deshaun Watson, it's because his contract is so guaranteed. This guy's not going anywhere. So he won the lottery, basically, unless they decide to bury that money. And, and uh, he basically sits at home all day, which is not going to happen. They're all in on Deshaun. Clearly, they made a thorough evaluation you would imagine they didn't just willy-nilly this and 
I just think that it's going to take time for Deshaun. Last year was was one of those years where, you know, he had to get his feet wet again and finding out exactly, you know, the position and all the nuance of a new team. But this year he starts from, you know, training camp. He should be obviously a lot better. But having an injury right off the bat to Amari Cooper is not going to help chemistry in that offense. It's going to be more of the running game, Nick Chubb, North-South football. And they don't have Kareem Hunt this year. So that's going to be the million-dollar question. Who is going to replace Kareem Hunt? Because he definitely helped this offense opening it up on the uh, kind of like sweep runs here and there, a little dump-off pass to Kareem Hunt. I can't wait to see uh, what running back kind of like takes a little bit of pressure off Nick Chubb or unless Nick Chubb just is a do it all running back this year. It's one of the two, but they're going to need some offensive weapons somewhere that we just don't know who it's going to be yet. But for Deshaun Watson, this guy won the lottery. He can be terrible. He's going to have a job next year, no matter what, because there's just so highly invested in the guy. The one thing that Sean has to go for himself is that since the game has changed in the past, I would say in the past two, three years specifically, Deshaun was around a little bit. I think that his ability to scramble is going to be what uh, his kind of like moxie. If he wants to build his confidence and his moxie, he needs to start running on fourth down. Cleveland needs to go on fourth down and really uh, take advantage of Deshaun Watson's skill sets in that regard. They'll need him to be uh, a do-it-all quarterback this year, kind of like a Lamar Jackson. He basically has to be that for the Cleveland Browns to be successful. But for whatever reason, Kevin Stefanski, I don't think is a great coach. He's not going to unlock those skills. It's going to take another coach from maybe the college football reigns to come in and to really help out Deshaun Watson because – you know, other than Jim Schwartz this year, I think the defense is going to be a lot better. But I see this offense being a huge stinker. Hey, I'll tell you one thing that uh, I, you know, you said a lot of good stuff there. And yeah, while Deshaun Watson is, is bathing in a lot of money, I think for, for him personally and mentally, uh, and just for his legacy, he's going to have to pick it up and they're going to have to find a way to get this team going because they have talent. Uh, now it's just, you know, finding the best way to use it and to get the most out of each player. Because look, talent is, you know, easy. It's we've, Planned players are, are easy to come by um, in the NFL. Obviously, all these guys are talented, but it's up to the coach to get the most out of each and every player. That's going to be the job of Kevin Stefanski this year. So I would agree with you that he is on the hot seat, and I want to see more from this Cleveland Browns team. I was reading something yesterday uh, on Facebook. Well, reading. I saw a mock draft on Facebook yesterday, and it had the Arizona Cardinals with the first and the second overall pick in this upcoming, well, this upcoming, next year's NFL draft, and three picks in the top 10. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen a team pick first and second overall and have, well, three picks in the top 10. Yes, Miami did have a few seasons ago, but the Cardinals one and two. This year for the Cardinals, you know, like, What's the mindset for them? Because they lose DeAndre Hopkins. We're not sure what's happening with Kyler Murray. He's not 100% healthy. They have a new coach. There's a ton of question marks for this Cardinals team. And I could actually see them being the worst team in the NFL. I'm picking first. Um, how crazy would that be, Dom, if this team gets the first and the second overall uh, draft pick in next year's draft? And, you know, what do you think the mindset is for this team? Heading, obviously, not going to tank heading into the season, but this team lacks talent to say the least i don't want to throw arizona underneath the bus yet because maybe this was a product of bad coaching and you know cliff kingsbury is gone jonathan gannon is in i want to see what jonathan gannon could do i'm not ready to give up on kyler murray yet the only knock on Callum Murray is that he's a smaller quarterback but he can run and he's accurate and when i see those two aspects I'm kind of like a fan. So, but Baker Mayfield was the same skill set that Kyler Murray is. And I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan at all. So, you know, he could fall in that category, but I'm not throwing him in that category yet. What I like about this team is that they drafted Paris Johnson Jr., right tackle. He was to me the best offensive lineman in this draft. So, knowing that, I think that Kyler Murray will have a bit more time. James Conner is one of the most underrated running backs in the NFL. Talk about giving a guy the ball 20 times. Look at the stats when this guy gets the ball a lot. He's pretty darn good. So keep an eye on James Conner, a guy who can catch the ball. You know, he's six foot. He could play the goal line. They have that covered. It's really at the ride receiver position where it's the million dollar question. Who's stepping up? Odd ride receiver for Arizona. 
you know, Marquise Brown, he had a big mouth. He got his mouth out of Baltimore and backed with his partner in crime with Kyler Murray. We didn't really see a great combination there. I did like Greg Dortch a couple times here and there last year. Maybe there's a guy to build on. They have two young wide receivers, Michael Wilson and Daniel Arias. Maybe one guy. And they also have another guy, Brian Cobbs. Now, three mystery wide receivers all coming through the draft. Good luck to any one of them. One of those guys needs to become not necessarily a star, but a very consistent, productive player. I don't see Arizona making the playoffs this year, but I'm not ready to say that they're going to be picking number one next year because that to me would be, you know, not a right calculation. There's so many bottom feeders right now in the NFL. We talked about Vegas earlier. If Marcus Peters were to get hurt, you know, I'm right back to where I was earlier with my hatred for the Raiders this year. So I'm not ready to give up clearly on Arizona. I want to see what they can do with a new coach. My fingers are really crossed for Kyler Murray because I think that he's a pretty good quarterback. He was one in high school. He was one in college. He just hasn't lived up to the bill in the NFL. Sometimes it's because the play is quicker. Just that one playoff game where Kyler Murray looked completely lost. He lost all his confidence. That's the only huge red flag. But, you know, let's give this guy a chance. If he does it again, then, you know, throw him to the Wolves. Yeah, I mean, look, he's obviously getting another chance here. Does he have the offense to surround him? You mentioned a few wide receivers that people may not know and maybe uh, a little bit more underrated, but... Yeah, I think for this team that um, they may not necessarily pick, you know, bottom two, bottom three. I don't think they're a playoff team, and I just don't think they have the talent uh, around this squad. And I think for Kyler Murray, unfortunately, I don't think he will, at any point in his career, build up to what Arizona was hoping he would. I think that, you know, with him is he's a smart quarterback, and we have seen signs of greatness from him. It's just I I don't like his, his – I just don't think he's calm in the pocket. And I think that, you know – being having a gift of running the way he is is you know incredible and you know I think QBs would die to have that and his ability to escape sacks and kind of you know slither through tackles and you know pick up yards and and make plays where uh, there's absolutely no place to be made that's the upside of his game for sure but at times he just doesn't trust himself to sit in the pocket and make that throw and you know when there's a little bit of pressure he panics and seems to to jet out to one side I think that uh, unfortunately that has plagued him and look obviously it's not just that. Uh, you know, it's the fact that he hasn't been full, fully healthy uh, and the fact that, you know, things didn't work out with Diop. Uh, and I was surprised. I really thought that connection with Diop was going to grow. It, it, there were times, you know, where, where it did. Uh, obviously, there was the the Hail Murray that people called it, you know, when uh, when Diop mossed three people at the end of that Bills game to win the game there. And, you know, they had seen a uh, fairly solid connection in some games, but unfortunately, it just didn't work out. And I'm just not sure how much of a leader Kyler Murray is. You know, we've seen him kind of drag his head down, walk off the field. Um, and obviously, we've heard rumors about him not being the best guy in the locker room and not being the hardest working i'm not sure i, I believe in that i believe that but what i've seen on the field from him um I, don't, I just I just don't think it's enough. So I think, you know, Arizona now, uh, they projected to have a few picks uh, within the first uh, within the first, you know, few of next season. You, you talk about, you know, being a good quarterback draft class and, you know, you got Caleb Williams out of USC. I think that Obviously, if you know he's available there at number one, you take him next season. But you know, the question is um, how how much time does Carla Marie get? When do you decide to quote unquote give up on him? Uh, if you have the fifth pick and you have you know the third best quarterback available next year, do you take him? Do you only take a quarterback if Caleb Williams is available? Like this is these are questions the Arizona Cardinals are going to have to answer uh, heading into uh, the end of next season. Right? Obviously, you no, know, not time to write this t- team off yet. But I can't see them getting more than four or five wins. So I'm curious to see what they decide to do. Uh, if you know there is a quarterback available that they like even even if it's not Williams yeah I'm I'm not gonna say that they will or won't yet I have to see it first to believe it they have so much invested in Kyler Murray throwing it away all now it it just doesn't seem like a good uh, GM move to do Mm -hmm. a guy by the name of Marvin Harrison Jr if Arizona Mm -hmm. were to pick up that little guy from Ohio State you know this is a a one-of-a-kind wide receiver so let's see what happens i would love to see Kyler murray with another receiver like d hop he clearly had d hop d hop didn't like his chemistry or he just wasn't happy in arizona hence why he's in tennessee now but i i don't want to throw Kyler. I, I tend to throw a lot of quarterbacks under the bus very very quickly <laughs> i'm not gonna do it on Kyler murray 
All right, that's fair enough. Look, that's for obviously he still has another season to to prove himself, and we'll see uh, what they have there. Look, the mock drafts are. We have no clue what's going to happen heading into the uh, heading into the the season. And obviously, there's a lot of teams that kind of make their uh, a Cinderella story. I guess you say a, a Cinderella run, and you know you never know with uh, with Arizona. Um, they don't seem to have that talent to do so, but uh, crazier things have happened. Like we've seen teams come out of the woodworks and uh, you know uh, surprise uh, surprise a few uh, surprise a few of us. Now, look. We talked about the running back market, Dom, and we talked about, you know, the fact of, you know, them being uh, underpaid and, you know, under uh, underutilized. And, you know, right now you kind of see that uh, with Ezekiel Elliott not signing, Dalvin Cook not signing. Like Dalvin Cook was supposed to be somewhat of a done deal with Miami. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened. And now it looks like the Jets are favorites uh, to sign him. Like, I know I keep asking, but like this has been going on for a long time. How long do you think this is going to go on? And you talk about Zeke now. I think that, you know, Zeke, if I had to guess right now, I think it's, teams are going to wait. And I don't think he's going to be signed until the season starts, which is, you know, pretty crazy for me. And um, I'm, I'm surprised. Like, I, I get that he's maybe not necessarily the running back that he used to be when he first started with the Cowboys. But you have to remember that, you know, with Zeke specifically, is Tony Pollard kind of shot out of the cannon and, you know, came out of nowhere. So it may be more about Tony Pollard rather than Zeke. The fact that Tony Pollard has a starting job, of course, he, you know, he took it from Zeke. And obviously that's that's on Zeke as well. But if the Cowboys didn't have a guy like Tony Pollard, I'm sure Zeke would still be on the team now. So I'm just really surprised that... Zeke hasn't signed. Like even as a Dolphins fan, I wouldn't mind uh, Miami taking a chance on Zeke. There's a lot of these teams that need solid running backs, and I still think that Zeke is the number one running back in the NFL. Um, so yeah, like I don't know. Are you as surprised as me? Do you think he's going to be signed in the offseason? Do you think people are going to wait until something happens? Some a running back gets injured in training camp and preseason or in the start of the regular season? Because I don't know. For me, it's it's surprising that Zeke is still not on an NFL team. Yeah, you're probably right that it is a surprise, but you know, it's a copycat league. Everybody's kind of doing exactly what they want, uh, playing the market to 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 the maximum, you know, of uh, in terms of value. You got Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt. I would take any of these running backs any day of the week on my football team and I'd be extremely happy whether yeah. they be the starter, whether they be the backup for depth. But the fact that there's four of them, nobody's in any rush whatsoever to sign a running back. Hence why the market's so darn tough for those guys to get a great contract. There's so much great running backs, in my opinion, and maybe in their eyes as well, available. I mean, there's even other guys. I can throw in a bit more of the underclass, let's say the B class, and yeah. J.D. McKissick, Mark Ingram, uh, Rex Burkhead, Giovanni Bernard. These guys are almost, you know, past their prime clearly in their 30s but still veterans nonetheless so as long as these guys are around it takes one injury sure these guys already have the depths on their roster except for maybe buffalo now they lost one so they might make a phone call or two you never know but there's no rush they haven't played one down in the nfl yet right before the trade deadline i would expect all these guys to be signed so that's your you know your benchmark to look at the trade deadline and once that's done you'll have pretty much all your your veterans that are supposed to be somewhere in the nfl are going to be somewhere i expect a guy like leonard fournette play playoff lenny to yeah. be available for the playoffs for somebody for at least as a backup running back so that's it for sure a dalvin cook or ezekiel elliott who doesn't want to have those catches in the backfield even kareem hunt the catches the ball so well in the backfield these are all depth players waiting in the wings so any nfl team right now uh, as soon as one goes down then the dominoes will fall and the other ones will all get signed yeah i i get what you're saying there for dalvin cook and zeke now where do you think dalvin cook's gonna land right because obviously he's gonna play with the team and you gotta assume it's gonna happen soon there's the jets there's the dolphins there's a few teams maybe i'm being biased i think miami will ultimately get a deal done uh but do you think he would suit more of the jets dom and you know the fact that the jets have already spent money and you know aaron Rodgers, and you know like the why not why not do a full makeover there uh where, where do you expect if you had to make a prediction right now where do you think dalvin cook's gonna be next season 
I'm sticking with Kansas City. I think Kansas wow. City has the ability to do whatever they want because they're the Super Bowl winners and basically can entice any free agent to say, hey, come on our bandwagon and we're, let's go win another Super Bowl. Kansas City doesn't have great depth at the running back position, in my personal opinion. And all they got to do is move some money around or if a guy just wants to play for a lot less and just showcase his skill to have a contract next year, he could do that. At the end of the day, Everybody plays football to win the Super Bowl. Sure, you make big contracts, but you want to win a Super Bowl. And if, some, if someone calls you up and says, like Kansas City, dude, you want to win a Super Bowl this year? We're in week eight here, and we need you. Guaranteed, these guys are picking up the phone, and they're making their way to Kansas City. As if Kansas City needed another new toy. That would be a good fit. Like I said, I'm going to stick with Miami there for uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I'm going to go maybe not so bold here. My gut is telling me he's going to be playing in the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo just lost Naheem Hines. We talked about at the beginning of the show. They ended up signing uh, a running back who's a little bit less known. I believe it was earlier uh, today or just yeah, just last night. But yeah, you know what? Why not? You're Buffalo. Take a chance. I think Zeke uh, could be potentially that running back that this team you know has. He's got that, that swag to himself. Similar that uh, you know the the Josh Allen does they both are you know believe in each other and I think they both bring something to the table and yeah I'm gonna go ahead and say if I'm making a bet right now I see Zeke with those Buffalo Bills I think it would be a good fit I think he'd fit perfect with those fans and those those bananas fans in Buffalo and I could see uh, yeah his jersey selling out quickly if he's going above if he played with the Bills so yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say before the season starts Zeke is gonna be in a Buffalo Bills jersey yeah, yeah I like it I really do do you see all those running back to mention the top four, do you see them signing uh, sometime this year as well? Would imagine I, so? That's a great question. Yes, I think that if I had to make a prediction, I know I said before, contrary to what I said, let me go back and I can see Zeke signs in the offseason, Dalvin Cook signs in the offseason. I, I do think that Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette teams will be waiting on them. And I think that Hunt and Fournette will both be signed during the season. I don't think they're going to get signed during the offseason. I think they're going to get signed during the season when the NFL season kicks off. And other than Buffalo, who do you think lacks, you know, running back depth right now in the NFL? That's a good one, Dom. I mean, look, there's I'm biased here. There's always Miami. Uh, I could see we talk about, you know, Baltimore obviously loves their running back, but they certainly, certainly do not lack, lack depth. Maybe a team even like the Arizona Cardinals. I and mean, yes, you got Connor there, but he hasn't been healthy. You know, you want to kind of give your fans something to cheer. Maybe, you know, get a guy like Leonard Fournette or Ezekiel uh, Elliott if you're the Arizona Cardinals. I like that pick. Arizona, yeah. yeah. I, I like Connors, but, you know, he's a three-down back. He's been back. injured, right? He's been injured. He's been injured here and there, so why not have another three-down back just waiting in the wings? I think that's yeah. a, a definitely great uh, destination in Arizona. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. We're still going to see a lot of really bizarre things before kickoff starts week one. I believe all four of these guys that I mentioned will have a home for sure by the end of the season but don't be surprised if it's by the end of training camp hey i like it dom that would be great they all deserve it uh god only knows that that you know these guys still have uh stuff left in the tank and they deserve a shot all right folks thank you for tuning into this episode of the power hour nfl kickoff is believe it or not just over a month away maybe a little bit more than uh, a bit over a month away i'm getting a little ahead of myself now we have preseason around the corner folks so stay tuned we'll be having some uh, some discussions on the show thank you again for tuning in and we'll be back next week same place same time you were listening to cjl 69 a.m. in Montreal.